0: Well, welcome everyone to Rec Poker Podcast, episode number 167. Steve has a family medical situation tonight, so for the first time in 167 episodes, he will not be joining us tonight. But we've got a great group of folks Chris Jones, John Somsky, the great Ed Miller is here. I'm Jim Reed, and uh, this week we are looking forward to chatting with Ed. I want to say our official sponsor is the Running Aces Casino, a Racetrack, and Hotel. We're also sponsored by Learn Pro Poker and website AMP. So Ed, I don't I know you don't need any introduction. You're a prolific author. It would take too long to list all the great projects you've been associated with, so I'm not going to bother wasting everyone's time with that. Just Google Ed Miller and give yourself a big cup of coffee because you're going to be there for a while. Um, His latest book, The Course, was released in April 2015 and has gotten rave reviews. A bunch of our members love it. He's one of the great people behind the scenes and in front of the scenes at uh, Red Chip Poker. And uh, he's a great presence in Vegas and in the poker world generally, both in his uh, uh, content and his coaching and just being a great guy on Twitter and generally. So, Ed. Ed. What is going on with your life? Give us a little update on the Ed Miller scene. Wow.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. That was quite the introduction. Uh, <laughs> appreciate it. Um, I'm good overall. Uh, it's, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> Perfect. That's the way we like it. Um, we've got a few que- uh, questions that have been emailed in from listeners one of our favorite folks chad McVean, who is a big fan of the course he wanted to know uh, how much backlash you got um, from poker's 1% and the 70% model
1: that's, it, that's an interesting question so i mean this is this is a pretty in the weeds question for question number 1 it <laughs> yeah, I was starting requires with it. You, right having <laughs> having read you know a a, a particular book i wrote um, so that book, I, I would say, I mean, it's a fair question. I did get, a, I would say, I would, the answer is, I would say I got a small amount of backlash for it. Um, it's it's the book I kind of was the most, took the biggest risk writing. Mm. Um, the the, the kind of impetus for me writing that book was in, around that time that I started to write that book, I had a couple um, students that I was coaching and the students were um they they, there were two or three students independent of each other but they all kind of had the same thing in common which was they they were moving up from two five to five ten um and they were kind of playing semi-professionally you know they were definitely relying on poker for an income and they were having trouble at the five ten games with like A lot of different styles especially sort of more aggressive trickier styles you know heavier bluffing styles than you tend to see at the lower limits and you know they were kind of all having the exact same problem and you know my answer to them was like a lot of the tricks that work at one two and two five a lot of the tricks like you know folding to to turn bets and river bets and you know and kind of bet folding on the turn and Just these kind of habits that they they relied on, you know, that were really profitable. You know, we're we're kind of backfiring on them now at the new level, and so I kind of said, well, let's write a book that kind of for someone like that to kind of give them an aha moment about, you know, what do I need to do differently? Um, you know, what what do I need to understand about poker rather than having kind of a list of tricks that get you by? You know, how do I understand poker strategy on a kind of a more holistic you know, semi mathematical level is what I would say, and so that was kind of the the idea behind writing that book. And I came up with this framework this, with little pyramids and stuff, where it talked about kind of like the idea that you have to kind of continue with about seventy percent of your hands on each street, and I gave some, you know, reason for that. And I don't know. I think it's a good book. I think uh, I I think it's. Uh, I'm proud of the book. I think it um does exactly what I wanted it to, which was introduce. People, especially mainly from a live poker setting, mainly who were, you know, kind of, as I said, like that two, five level wanting to move up, wanting to play against more aggressive people and kind of taught them, you know, kind of the easy introduction into, okay, you have to change the way you're thinking about the game a little bit if you want to have success at a higher level. So that, that was the book. I did get, get a little bit of backlash from it because it's not, you know, most of the backlash was, you know, this is oversimplified. This isn't, quite how the math is and and all that criticism is is valid you know i i definitely i never pretended that the book was anything beyond kind of what i just described but but yeah that's a long answer to a short question
0: <laughs> well, we're big believers in uh, learning in community and in sort of understanding the concepts behind the actions. And I think a lot of recreational pokers, uh, poker players start by looking for sort of like, as you say, like a list of things to do and not to do. And, uh, you know, that only gets you so far on the tables. You want to be able to understand some reasons behind it and have some good reasons for the decisions you make. So I think that's a great thing to be putting out there. Um, one of our other uh, listeners had a question on that note. Which uh, they uh, this is Austin from Colorado, particularly liked the identification of skills for playing at each level, like sort of like you were just talking about, and how those skills had to evolve from one to two to two five to five ten. Um, and he wonders if in retrospect, are there any adjustments to the skills that you'd make both in the time of the writing that you wish you'd said differently or since then uh, in the games that you've been playing, that you've seen adaptations made that you'd advise, uh, you know, slightly different play these days?
1: I mean, overall, I think, you know, as time goes on, um, you know, one thing is, is I'm kind of a no regrets person when it comes to writing, you know, <laughs> I kind of, you know, I I think some people think of books differently than I do. Some people think of books as like sort of a self-contained, you know, piece of wisdom that is to be perfected and revised and perfected. And I, I you know, I kind of don't see it that way. I see it kind of as a snapshot in time of, you know, things Ed thinks <laughs> right now, you know, is kind of what I, and I, I think about 50 to 60,000 words worth. And then I, call it a book and move on to the next one. So, you know, in that respect, I definitely don't regret anything. I, I think it's a good book. I think it's, you know, a well put together good book. I, I do would say that, you know, over time, um, and this has been true, you know, for every book and just for the march of time in poker that, you know, people get better over time. I mean, that's that's just the bottom line is some of, you know, the, the, really, the really worst mistakes you see less and less and less of as time goes on you know i mean in in man when i started playing no limit in what was it 2005 when i started seeing the first games i mean it was just incredible how bad people were <laughs> and they would just stack off with middle pair and they would do it again and they would do it again i mean it was it was really unreal and you know and then just just every year just that frequency of the really bad tragic terrible mistakes goes down you know and every year you start seeing you know a little bit more kind of, I would call it like tricky or, um, you know, I guess intelligent play. You see, you see a higher frequency of that, you know, you see it from people you might not expect it from. And, you know, that's, to me, that's really the trend, especially for live poker, you know, for kind of recreational type poker where you're, you know, online is a whole different beast, obviously, but, you know, for live poker, it's just, you know, it's just a slow trend towards better play. And so therefore, you know, everything that I put is the, you know, I had kind of the most basic skills as the one, two skills. And then the next set is the two, five skills. And the next set is the five ten skills. And yeah, as time goes on, all those, all those kind of stake markings get pushed down. Right. And you need, you need more of the skills at one, two, you know, if you want to have the same level of success.
0: Yeah, totally. That makes perfect sense. Um, all right. Well, think of t- talking of snapshots in time, I've got one more question. and I'll hand you over to Chris, who's got some strategy specific stuff for you. One of our listeners, Jamel, uh, was actually living in Baker back in the day. And uh, he was, I, I want an honest answer now. Uh, Ed. When you're back there in the, in the Baker dorm or, the, or residence, you're in this life of physics at the time. What are the honest odds at that point in your mind? Pro life in physics or pro life in poker? What do you think?
1: <laughs> this is really, this is really digging up the past here.
0: We're coming um, at you from every angle.
1: I, I, mean, for real. So I, so for all of your listeners not named Jamel, um, <laughs> I, uh, I went to MIT. I was a, um, I was originally a physics major, and at the time I was, I don't know, seventeen. I guess when I my freshman year. I was fairly sure I wanted to be a physics professor, Um, you know, and I, uh, that was, that was, you know, my parents are both professors and it was just, that was just to me, the obvious thing for me to do with my life. And then I took a year of physics and that went great. And then I took the next year and they put me in a quantum mechanics class. And that was pretty much the end of that. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) no, I do not want to do this for the rest of my life. It was definitely that. And the other thing was um, the other kind of disillusionment was I started working in a physics lab at at MIT and I saw what proportion of time was spent writing grant proposals and like begging for money from politicians versus what percentage of time was spent doing science. And I was like, yeah, never mind. (laughs) So. That's not, I mean I'm I'm exaggerating, but that was definitely like I definitely was a little bit disillusioned about how much how much red tape and how much just bureaucracy and politics was really involved in the day to day life of a scientist, and you know, and I hate all that stuff. So you know, I I just yeah, that was that was it was around my it was it was by junior year I was like yeah I'm done with the physics thing, and I didn't really have any idea what I wanted to do, but I knew it wasn't be a physics professor. So. Yeah.
0: And I don't think that's just a science thing either. I think, uh, you know, the closer you get to the real life of academia, the more you see how much bureaucracy and how much red tape and, uh, you know, how little of it actually takes place in the classroom, which I think is a little disillusioning for people. Um, and yeah. so, you know, more all the more hats off to people that are able to go and follow that and uh, find the pleasure in the ca- in the classroom enough to make it worth it. Because, yeah, boy, that, that sure can be a grind after a while. Um, all right. Well, thanks. That's uh, wonderful. Uh, you know, when if Steve was here, he would have opened with that question because he's done this 166 <laughs> times before and he knows how to crack the nut. But now that we got you loose, Chris, do you have some strategy questions for Ed?
2: Yeah, uh, Ed, thank you so much for Joining us, uh, we're all really big fans of yours. I've I've been a big fan of uh, the course for a long time. It's really helped me sort of uh, think about um, my game. It was kind of the first poker book I read really seriously, and um, I'm just I'm just a really big fan um but so uh what what i tend to do is we have a community here that uh brings up strategy questions sometimes presents hands we have conversation and community and then sometimes we bring that some of the things that bubble up from that uh to the podcast and um there's actually a hand if you're willing to talk through that um i think was kind of controversial in the community and we always like to get some expert opinions on um on them. So if if you're game, I'll kind of uh, give you a little bit of a presentation of what the hand is, and we can walk through some of the the decisions that that took place. Sure,
1: I'll be happy to talk about it. You know, they, my only caveat is that I've I i do not know, if, uh, you know, but I I've been doing a sports betting startup for the last few years, so I'm 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 definitely on the recreational end of things <laughs> more these days than uh, than after I wrote the book, but but happy to talk about it.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, we're, 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 all, we're all very recreational here, so we think that you're, you're at least a, a step above the rest of us, so uh, <laughs> it should be great. Um, but actually, I want to talk about that sports betting too, thing um, in a second, too, because that's part, part of what I wanted to actually ask you about. But um, So this particular hand, um, we're in a tournament um, it's a, it's a tournament that had 409 entries. Uh, we're in day two of it. We're down to 36 people. So we're in the money, but we're just made it, uh, into the money. Um, and we're, uh, hoping to advance from that point on. Um, there's, um, f- uh, we're at the 4,000, 8,000, 8,000 level. Uh, it's with a big blind ante, Um, and we have 215,000 in chips and we're in the hijack. So it folds to us, um, and we open, again, it's uh, 4k, 8k, uh, and we open to 16k uh, with Queen of Spades, Jack of Clubs. Um, Folds around, um, and we get called by the big blind, who has about 180k back um and it's all i think this is all pretty i mean we could argue about whether you should be opening with queen jack offsuit but i think it's all pretty standard until until we get kind of the flop um when the flop comes king of spades nine of spades three of hearts and again we have the queen of spades and the jack of clubs um and the big blind checks to us um what what are you thinking about in this sort of situation? And is this a, is this a hand that you're likely see betting with?
1: So I'd say it, it, you got me with the tournament question too, which was, uh, I was always more of a cash game guy, but I would d- definitely do my best. So, um, so in general, I mean, this flop is king nine three. I would expect um, in most situations from the big blind to kind of be in a, uh did you say there was a, a flush draw on the flop or not
2: uh yeah it's king of spades nine of spades three of hearts and we do have okay, the queen but, of spades
1: and the queen of spades okay um so i would expect you know most most hands to um to give up by the turn without a king um or a flush draw that would be kind of mm-hmm. my expectation here so my inclination and that's obviously most hands don't have you know, either a king or a flush draw that the big blind is going to have here. So, um, I, my strategy would be to, to try to bet this hand twice. Mm -hmm. So, Um, so yeah, I I, I would see bet for sure.
2: Okay, and I think that that's uh, that has not been the the actual the, the most controversial part about it, this hand uh, in our community has been the turn so uh, in the, in this case, um, we did see bet we see bet it for uh, a little um, about sixteen k so a little bit under what we um, see bet uh, or originally opened for um, and the big blind calls. And so now the turn comes the five of spades. So again, it's the a king of spades, nine of spades, three of hearts, and now a five of spades on the turn. And again, we have the queen of spades in our hand and the jack of clubs. So we've got um, a gut shot and a now a straight or a flush draw. Um, and the big blind again checks to us. And this is where I think the, the community has um, been pretty split on what. Uh, Should be happening here Um, whether this is a clear check back uh, Let's see how this hand develops. Let's uh, we you know, we don't have much yet. We have a lot of equity we don't want to kind of Stick our foot into it here versus uh, People saying no, we we really need to continue here um, Because of that extra equity we've picked up and because um, there's so much uh, there's so much we can represent, and it keeps our range uncapped. It keeps those flushes in our range where people th- were thinking we are very unlikely to check back flushes so that if we check back here, um, you know, so that was the kind of the conversation that was going on um, in the community, um, and it was very split. Um, and I'm curious what, what you think about this spot here.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, like I said on the flop, I mean, my intention would be to bet twice bet the flop bet the turn um i would bet the turn here for sure um i you know basically there's a lot of hands that can call on the flop there's nines and threes and stuff and um you know just other random stuff that can call a flop bet um that just that just tend will tend not to continue here so um yeah i would tend to i would tend to call i mean sorry bet the turn and mm-hmm. um that's what i would
2: do okay and would you do you have a would you bet that uh pretty big or would you bet that sort of again sort of half pot would you go kind of small big what what kind of sizing are you thinking i mean the, I, again this is sort of more streets?
1: where this is sort of more where i'm more of a cascade player than a tournament player right. uh, in general right. in, ter- in tournaments you're going to have you know more leverage right i mean you're you're certainly you you're you're you're, you're th- you're on the button, money bubble there, and you're you're threatening somebody's stack with a smaller bet. So, um, you know, in, in general, my bet sizing there would be small-ish, I would say. I mean, I'm not sure exactly. I, I, the hand started with, what, 25 big blinds? Or no, less than that, right? Started with yeah, 20. It's, uh, yeah, a little, about over, t-
2: a little 20. over 20. 25-ish, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would bet small. I, I would expect mm-hmm. most hands that I want to fold out, to fold out to the smallest turn bet. I don't think you need a big bet.
2: Right. Okay. Um, and then lastly, so that we we do actually lead out for 32k, and we're called by the big blind. So we've we we it's getting serious here, and the river is the seven of diamonds. So we completely whiff. We've got queen high, um, but we do have the queen of spades, and then. Uh, Here's the interesting part. The big blind leads out for a very small kind of blocker bet about 20K. Um, Do we just give up?
1: Is that 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 small a bet? I mean,
2: well, let's see. We've got, yeah, 20K. We've probably got a hundred and... Let's see. We got sixty thirty three. We have like a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty k in the pot. So,
1: I mean, it's, it's interesting. Pretty, I mean, it, it's you know, I it, to me, this would be a little bit. I mean, I, I mean, I think it's likely to be a king. I think it's yeah. probably what it is. <laughs> um, and it's a king that doesn't want to have to face a big bet. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, you know, whether it's a king that's going to fold to a. Big raise or not, I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I would definitely, I would, I, I would say, I mean, if it were a cash game again, um, I tend to raise those bets uh, on the river, but um, I don't, you know, I'm not, I would be less confident in a tournament situation with, you know, I, I would certainly consider raising for sure. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's probably a yeah. king is what I would guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, it seems it seems pretty transparently a king. It's just a matter of whether somebody's going to fold that king to a to a big overbed, I think is kind of the other thing that, that the community was talking about. Um, and it seemed, you know, some people are like, "Oh no, you have to shove here." Or there's there's no way they can call you. And some people felt, "No, it's it's a uh, it's a little bit spewy to just shove your whole stack when you've got queen high and um, they've got they've clearly got." um a good hand. You know, it's not I don't think they're 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 not doing this probably with a nine or a three or something at this
1: point. Yeah, I mean I mean that the twenty K seems like a little bit it, unless I have my numbers wrong, the twenty K seems like a little bit of a large bet to I I think I'd probably fold fold there. Mm-hmm. Um but uh you know it's it's I would say it's redependent i mean I, I definitely don't think it's if someone told me no i definitely thought raising was a good idea here and it didn't work out i wouldn't like say you idiot why would you raise you know um <laughs> right. uh, you know i definitely have made that raise a zillion times with cash games and it it's a very it's a very profitable raise in in most cash game situations but but here that's that 20k bet is i don't know i don't see that as a small bet in this tournament situation. Mm-hmm. Um you know that doesn't you know what i mean that that seems like a king queen or somebody who who's like almost wanting to bet for value slash control the pot size slash not get raised um right type of bet i i if it were more like a 10k bet i don't know maybe i'm reading too much into the bet size, but but i would probably just hold fair enough
2: fair enough well, I, I, just to shift gears, too, I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, I mean, since you, since you are so involved in sort of sports betting scene these days, I just kind of wanted to talk about um, wh- where you think the, uh, first of all, where, what, what drew you to that? Uh, have you always been sort of interested in that? And then secondly, where you think the sort of the parallels uh, lie between the sort of the poker world and, and the sports betting world?
1: So it's so I got involved um about five years ago with the daily fantasy sports when mm-hmm. when the daily fantasy was like it was blowing up. <laughs> um really, really it was blowing up from having enormous investment, you know, like nine figure investments in the in the space. Um, but it was to me it was a it was a very beatable gambling game, you know. It was sort of the same thing that drew me to poker initially is hey, this is a gambling game where you can you know, win at a really good clip and there were other things about it that were attractive. Um, but it's, that was it, you know? And, and so I was like, Hey, let me go do that. So I did that. And then I kind of connected with my current business partner, um, you know, in that moment of time through the fantasy sports and, uh, yeah, and now we're, we're starting a, a, a non-fantasy sports, it's more of a sports betting, um, startup uh now but that's how i got that's how i got my start into it it was it was the soft introduction through fantasy sports to the to the more hardcore sports betting i would say um and your second question was was how similar is so so the similarity i would say i I wouldn't say there's actually a lot in common between sports betting and poker i would say they're pretty different kind of gambling endeavors one is obviously poker is a game played against other people sports betting is is you against i the house is not even a fair term because it's that implies it's a static target when in fact it's a moving target it's 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 you against the a smart entity on the other side is right. really what it is. um so and the way I would say it's similar is it has to do with the way some people really kind of made made poker kind of a, a small income in the you know, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago was through the promotions, exploiting promotions and getting, getting paid, you know, getting paid rake back was the poker equivalent. And, you know, all the, all these little ways that poker players found to get paid, you know, beyond just being good at poker and winning other people's money. Um, those very much apply for sports betting. I think there's a lot of promotion money out there for people who want to try to scoop it up. There's, you know, the, the, if you don't really know the history of it, the Supreme Court lifted. There was a national prohibition on sports betting, a federal law, and the Supreme Court lifted that prohibition um, about two years ago, a little less than two years ago. And since then, you know, and so it's not legal. Um, that didn't legalize it; it just allowed states to make their own laws with respect to sports betting. And 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 since that time, in the last two years, about about I think something about twenty states have um, done something towards legalizing it Um, and and about 10 states i think have legalized um, pretty much like online kind of the full monty sports betting online Um, and in those states that's where really a lot of the promotions and and um free dollars are there to scoop up if you're if you're kind of smart about it and and want to you know want to say hey i'd like to grab a few few thousand dollars you know of promotional money it's it's out there if you if you kind of dig dig for it
2: um and do you do you uh, as, and tell us so like you're the company you're working for what is what is it that you do with them
1: yeah so um our company's called deck prism sports and i work with my partner and we we have i don't know a bunch of people working with us now um we make um we make lines for sports books so basically our uh we started with in play lines where um basically you know once the game starts you know so there has to be a steady stream of betting lines okay they they the you know, the Chiefs just scored a touchdown. Now what's the line? Okay, the, you know, the Raiders just turned the ball over. Now what's the line? You know, and every, after every play, basically the the odds change, the percentages of each team's chance to win, change the game, uh, change play after play and, and so forth. So so we started kind of as a business, um, basically publishing a, a feed, a, a data feed of of, you know, line changes, uh, suggested line changes for sportsbook. So our customer would be a sportsbook operator, and um, you know, yeah.
2: So you're the you're the said smart guy that everyone has to compete against. Is basically what you're right. saying,
1: right? Well, I, or one one of them, yes. I'm I'm part of the cabal of people conspiring against you. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Well, uh, I, I suppose we could talk a lot about, uh, I, I have, I'm always fascinated by how lines are formed and how those things even come about. So I suppose we could talk about that for a while, but I did want to throw this back to the panel first uh, and see if there's any, any questions uh, that came up as part of this or whether we want to talk about how we, how we form sports lines.
3: Well, I- I had a, a question just about how I mean you're probably one of the most prolific poker authors in the you know modern era since 2000 um, and uh your books are fairly well well regarded amongst the poker community uh how did you keep your passion up I mean to to me, I'm not an author. Chris Jones, who you were just talking to, is an author and understands how to do writing. But writing a book seems like an overwhelming task to me. Writing that number of books all on poker seems like that's even more overwhelming. And yet you've done a fantastic job. So how did you manage to do that? Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, First of all, I
1: really just, I just enjoy writing. I mean, I enjoy kind of waking up and I used to write at the coffee shop. I would just, you know, kind of walk to the coffee shop and, you know, with my laptop and, you know, bang it out for a couple hours. And then kind of that was, that was it. I would say the consistency uh, is the key, right? So, you know, each, each of my books is, you know, 50 to 60,000 words. Uh, You know, my kind of process is I come up with an overarching, idea or set of ideas I want to cover in a book. And, um, and then, and then I just kind of go at it a a thousand to 2000 words at a time, you know, each day is, I mean, that a, a good day is, I mean, a thousand words in a day is, is just fine, you know, and, you know, and I just do it day after day after day. And then, you know, after 60 such days, you have a book written pretty much. And, um, you know and then obviously there's a little bit of editing and you know but but my books I, I i would say are more like just kind of a series of essays almost is the structure of them and you know i have kind of an overarching theme that i want to get across but then it's you know little little nuggets of ideas and just kind of just kind of chug on through and then once i've written enough words i put it together and edit it and call it a book so that's that's pretty much it and you know, just, um, I just enjoy that process. I just like, you know, I would wake up and be happy to write another thousand words every day. That's pretty much it. I mean, I, I have to say I'm, I'm in awe of the people that go to the gym every day. <laughs> so I think it's much the same. I mean, if you, you know, if you go to the gym every day for 10 years, I, I'm looking at you like, how do you manage that? And, you know, kind of the same thing for the writing, I would say.
2: And what what, uh, what drew you to writing so many poker books? I mean, were you just sort of, you were you're steeped into the poker community? Or what What was it about so poker I was, that,
1: that I, drew you I to planned, it? So I was playing poker full-time. So that was my job. I mean, I, I got a job after college, and then that kind of didn't work out. And um, I fell into poker as a professional poker player for a few years um, as a kind of between-jobs thing to do when I was in my 20s. And, um, and then I got burned out on that is what happened. I didn't like the long hours and the, you know, to be quite honest, the swings and the, you know, all the things that are are negative about being a, a professional poker player were starting to get to me. And I said, well, maybe I'll just go do something else with my life. But that was like exactly the time that, you know, Chris Moneymaker won the world series, you know, all that, all that like blow up was happening. And I said, well, I can't, I can't just, you know, leave, poker while it's exploding um that would that would be profoundly stupid so that was that was really my idea for writing the first book i said well what can i do i i've got all these i've got this skill i can make a living playing poker you know presumably now there's a lot of people who would love to do the same so that was kind of the original idea for writing the book and then my first book which was in 2004 and then i just um I just, uh, I don't know. I liked writing. I, I after I wrote that book, I said, "Let's write another." One. <laughs> that was, that was pretty much it, you know. I and and you know, to that point, I mean, through twenty fifteen, I mean, the main skill I had was, was, was playing poker and, um, you know, winning at it. So I kept writing about poker.
2: And so now, as a, a fellow recreational player uh although i can't believe i'm calling out miller a recreational player how how often do you play and what what uh what keeps you what brings you when what parts of the game do you still enjoy
1: so i i haven't been playing my so so i started a business i am i i just recently declared myself ceo so i'm the ceo of a business and a ceo of a business does not have much time for Uh, poker but um no i do like it i like Um, I actually like to play mixed games. I think it's fun to play all the different games. Um, I also think it's a little fun because the people who play mixed games tend to be a little less serious. There's fewer of the backpack hoodie types and the, you know, (laughs) I don't know. There's more like, it's a little more low key. So I like that. Um, I like No Limit too, some, but, but, uh. But yeah, I mean, the, you know, the fun is, it's something, it's something to do that's, that's different and, and I've always liked poker. I'm sure I'll go back to playing a little more seriously, you know, um, at some point, but I would say, I would say that's the, you know, it's kind of a, an intellectual challenge and it's fun to gamble and it's, um, you know, it's always going to be with me for sure.
0: Great. Well, uh, Chris, did you have any other uh, strategy questions you wanted to get to? Or should we? All right. Well, uh no, I John... think I'd... Yeah, great. Uh, the, it's funny, uh, Ed, you mentioned mixed games. We do every month, we run a mixed game um, on PokerStars in the Play Money client there, where everyone at RecFoker is welcome to join us. And uh, John Somsky is the tournament uh, coordinator for those. I don't know, if, John, if you have a little update for us and uh, you can tempt Ed to maybe come join us on the second Wednesday of March.
3: Yeah, we're, uh, well, we play the, every Wednesday. The first Wednesday of the month is your normal, boring, no-limit hold'em tournament. And then we have a player of the year series for that. And then the second Wednesday of the month, we do uh, mixed games. And it's my goal to get more people interested in mixed games because I enjoy playing them. Not that I don't also enjoy uh, No Limit Hold'em, but it just gives you, you stretch different muscles and it's, it's a lot of fun playing uh, some of the mixed games. So we just did a uh, Deuce to Seven No Limit this last month, and actually the person that won it, Patty98, won the previous month as well so uh they're sitting there with i think it, it was um oh, i gotta look it up because i can't remember uh, like 114 points compared to 59 points for the second place person power cookies so you know it's a lot of fun um and uh next month's going to be five card draw i probably should have done them in the opposite order given that Everyone is used to high-card games, so we should have done five-card draw first to get the format down and then no limit deuce to seven. But it it is what it is at this point. Well, It's
0: been been a lot of fun, Ed. We'll save you a seat next uh, the first, the second Wednesday of March. Come join us for some uh, five-card draw. All
1: right, sounds good. (laughs)
0: well thank you so much for your time tonight we've got a few other things we want to go through some updates and announcements but uh, you've been generous with your time and we don't want to keep you feel free to stick around but if you've got to get out of here by all means do and we'll look forward to the next time we get a chance to bend your ear and have a chat thank you so much
1: all righty yeah thank you so much for having me on i really appreciate it it's been a lot of fun and uh yeah have a good one
0: cheers ed take care all right So, uh, while we're talking about the, uh, PokerStars home games, John, you know, I've got to shout out, uh, Matt Patrick, Patty98 on Twitter, because we're just going to start calling him the pride of Canada now, as far as I'm concerned, because Canadians are taking over the home games and, uh, uh, I don't know if everyone has had a chance to go to at RecPoker on Twitter, but we do have Steve playing along. If we can get some Canadians to win a couple more of these home games between now and June, Papa Steve himself is going to get out there on the strip and sing O Canada in all its glory out in public. So, uh, John... We got to make that happen. We got to, I don't know if, can you like rig the game so the Canadians get twice as many chips or something? Can we get Chad McVean to go spread the word and get everybody in here? What what can we do? To, yeah, for
2: the, we just need, we know, need like a boatload of Canadians to, to <laughs> just jo- join this uh, home game.
3: Well, what's interesting is I got an email from Steve saying, hey, is it possible to shut this whole thing down <laughs> if another Canadian wins? <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm understanding why.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. It's all coming <laughs> all together. All the
3: pieces are coming together. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so do, do come out. Do come out, Canadians. Come out and play in the Poker Stars home games. And let's get Papa and Steve out there. And if you know, know Canadians,
2: just, you know, recruit your fellow Canadians. Any Canadians you know, just bring them in. They don't have to know anything or anything about poker. Just get them in this game. Let's, let's get them going. <laughs>
0: oh i am definitely making that a personal mission uh i want to get steve singing o canada on the strip in vegas that please please Uh, wreck poker nation help us
2: there's some really great spots on the strip that i've been thinking about for it i think you know any of those like those bridges that kind of go all the escalator (laughs) bridges yes like you know like dancers and all the stuff on the middle (laughs) of the bridges i think that that's the perfect spot right in the middle (laughs)
0: oh well i'm no mixed game player john you're the expert there
3: well i don't know about that i I think uh, Patty 98 is clearly uh, leading the pack at this point, (laughs) but it'll be interesting to see if I'm not sure Steve knows the third word of that song. You know, <laughs> I know the first two words. <laughs> uh,
0: actually, he 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 did uh, put a few, a few a few lines out on Twitter in real time. I was pretty clear it was pretty clear to me that he was not looking those up. So, uh I think he's uh I think he knows more than we're giving him credit for.
2: All and right. If he doesn't I'll, I'll bring the cue cards, so it'll, it'll be fine. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, that's enough of that. Uh, I'm super excited for it. I'm going to try and uh, win one of the no limit Hold'em tournaments on the first Wednesday of every month. And I hope someone else can come along and win uh, the uh, mixed games on the second Wednesday. So a couple other uh, things to shout out here. I know we've got uh, the players of the week at running aces. Um, Last week, David Cranber was in first place, David Elke in second, Robert Prasad. And Chris Scarella, finishing out the top four there. Congratulations and enjoy your lammers. Um, usually, we've got a whole list of rec poker binks to share with you, but for some reason, everyone stayed home this week. No one's out there playing any poker, no one's binked anything. So, a challenge to everyone in Rec Poker Nation go out there and win a tournament this week. Come on over to Discord and put it in the binks and let us know so we can celebrate that together. We do have a few other exciting uh, upcoming events. There's uh, uh, the membership Q&A. Chris, do you want to talk about that a little bit as we get to the end of the month yeah, with sure. our monthly content? So,
2: you know, our, our, we've got our end of month of uh, February content. We're wrapping up pretty soon. Our, our Q&A is going to be on february 26th uh and we're gearing up for our um our march topic right uh, right as we speak so um we'll be turning that leaf over after the q a but the q a will be uh february 26th at 8 p.m if you're a member uh come on bring your questions and we'll we'll be there to answer them
0: yeah that's going to be a lot of fun and if you have the the theme this month was stack sizes and position. We talked a lot Mm -hmm. about ranges. If you've got some range-specific question, or if you want to bring your own ranges and discuss them with the group, that would be a great chance to do that in real time. Uh, We can all talk about that. We've also got Rec Poker Day at Running Aces on Saturday the 29th. That's going to be here in no time. And uh, that starts at breakfast, I think. Isn't that right, fellas? Uh, Eight o'clock, there's a chance to come and win a Lammer.
2: Yeah, so eight a.m. to eight p.m. on February twenty ninth, which is leap day, uh, at the breakfast. If you have any players who, um, in your world, who maybe have only played in a home game or have always wanted to play at a card room but have never come, uh, bring them along because we're going to be talking um, about a little bit about how to approach your first tournament. Uh, in a card room at breakfast Uh, anyone who shows up at breakfast can win a $50 uh, running aces lammer so you get your tournament entry free that morning then there's the 10 a.m tournament and then at 2 p.m if you stick around uh, from 2 to 4 we're going to be doing a free play and learn so you can sit down at a table everyone gets dealt hands Uh, one of the rec poker core team people will be dealing um, and uh, as the hand progresses it plays out like a normal hand but when it's all complete everyone keeps their cards and they all flip them over and then we talk about all the decisions that were made as part of the hand Um, it's a really great way to learn um poker it's a really good way to meet fellow poker players Um, so it'll be it'll be a really great time and if you're playing in that you can also win a $50 lammer so there'll be lots of fun opportunities throughout the day um We'll also be doing a few podcast interviews. We have got a table, we'll have merchandise. It's going to be great. So come on down. Uh, we're really excited for it. We want to see as many people in rep poker gear as we can possibly find.
0: Yeah. Let's give Jerry the hives, right? Fellas. Isn't that the uh, basic idea there? We're coming for you, Jerry. Hashtag patch people.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) So that'll be on Saturday, the 29th. And, uh, I guess one other the thing we should announce, we're working with uh, Learn Pro Poker, they've started a new membership drive where you can sign up for actually a free membership that gets you unlimited access to their site. And if you do it through our link, that helps us out a lot. It tells LPP that we sent you their way. And they keep giving us great interviews and content and stuff like that. So look for, uh, Steve at rec poker on Twitter is going to be sending out uh, a link to that effect. And if, if you don't mind, check that program out because you will, I mean, it's, it's worth paying for, but the idea that you could just click on a link and go check out the Learn Pro, Pro, Pro Poker site, um, for free, you, you do yourself a favor and go check that out and do us a favor by clicking on the link first. Um. Speaking of connecting, there's one thing that's been plaguing me for the last couple of weeks. Just if you excuse me for a sec, fellas, I was playing in this Poker Stars charity tournament in Toronto that Chris turned me on to, Mm -hmm. which was fantastic, raised a bunch of money to uh, fight breast cancer. And I was standing in the lobby. It was loud and I couldn't hear anything. It was really crowded. This guy, friendly looking fella, reaches out to shake my hand and they said something I didn't hear. I thought they were just trying to get by, so I got out of the way, and I didn't introduce myself, and they walked away. But I realized after I was wearing my wreck Poker hat, and it was probably some wreck Poker Nation member like me trying to reach out and introduce themselves, and I accidentally sub- snubbed this little fella, and I feel like a jerk. So if that was you, the friendly poker the uh, fellow at the uh, Poker Stars charity tournament in Toronto, we got a missed connection. I was the, the guy in the beard and the hat. You were the guy in the beard and the dark hair look me up if you're in the GTA, let's grab a beer. And if we can get uh, Mike Patrick involved or we can get Chad McVean on the bus from uh, Niagara, how much more exciting would that be? But anyway, reach out on Twitter right into the show. Um, Anyone who's going to be in or near Toronto that's not on February 29th, because I know everyone in Minnesota is going to be at running aces for that. It would be great to get a Canadian meetup one of these days and we can plot our plan for – uh, rec Poker domination. Get these home games wrapped up and get Sing and Steve on the strip. All right, so we've got Maria Ho next week. Everyone's excited about that. Um, you can reach us at uh, uh, Twitter at Rec Poker. Please come to the Discord channel. Put some great stuff up in there. The website rec.poker Dot Poker has links to everything: sweatshirts, hats. You can support us on Patreon. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. We put articles out all the time. We love it when people reach out. We want to hear from you when we want to give you uh, coaching advice and we want to help out with strategy questions. And there's no way to do it without you reaching out to us. So please do, fellas. Do you have anything else to say before we sign off for the night?
3: No. Have a great night.
0: Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we'll uh, be right back on track next week with the one and only Steve Fredland. Steve, we're all rooting for you and your family and hope everybody's doing well over there. And to everyone else in Rec Poker Nation whose family is struggling this week, you're in our thoughts as well. Thank you again to our official sponsor, Running Aces, the Casino Racetrack and Hotel, and to Learn Pro Poker and Website Amp. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night.